It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitt Madness. And here he goes. Defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. That's not something play. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Good morning and welcome into Mitten Madness. It's another Saturday edition and this time it's another special one. As you can hear, I'm doing the intro again, which means Jacob is still not back from his time with the family in Alabama. But looking that's his, okay. Looking his wounds. That's he is probably looking, his, looking wounds. his wounds. As you hear, Meatball is back. Hi. He was here with us last week for the two-hour special. And alongside him is his partner in crime over on the Rocker Morning Show, Mark Franchise Frank House. Thanks for the invite. Super crucial of you. Dude, we are happy to have you both here. I could, I'm so stoked for you to be here, Mark, <laughs> because you are just as much of a Michigan fan as I am, and we get to talk so much this week about what we expect to see on Monday night. Oh, yeah, man. This is uh, massive implications coming up for Monday. Can I, can I just ask you both before we really get going? Like, I know... The whole thing with Alabama, like, you know, losing in the first round last year and stuff, it, it all hurt and whatnot. But, like, how did it feel beating Alabama in that moment as Michigan fans? It For me, at least, it was uh, kind of surreal because U of M has meant a lot to me Yeah, uh, for my whole life. But specifically in the last 15 years, um, U of M has meant a lot to me. So in that moment, I'm just watching at home and I'm just like... I'm sweating yeah. because yeah, I'm yeah. just like, get this play over with <laughs> and let's go to the natty. That's yeah. all I was thinking of. The moment he, the the moment their quarterback got the ball, it was like, <laughs> yeah, good night. Yeah, I didn't understand that play call. It was it. it was amazing. Okay, it, now I will say before. It, first off, it's unbelievable for me. Um, this is the first time I've seen Michigan with the one by their name in my yep. lifetime. Yep. They defended that. Yep. This is the first time they've had like a legitimate shot at the national title. Like I'm through the roof <laughs> as a Michigan fan in the younger generation of things because we've never seen anything like this. But watching the game, it was nerve wracking as ever. Yep. And that final play was actually an extremely great call. What happened was Josiah Stewart off the edge said, we're going to the national championship. And he just blew the tackle back <laughs> mm-hmm. into yeah. Milrow. Yeah. But realistically, if you like kind of watch the play, it was set up for Milrow to attack the middle yeah. and bounce to the outside, which would have been naked. Yeah. And he would have walked right into the end zone. And it almost looked like he slipped football. a little he bit. Did. Yeah. He slipped, but he also got pushed by yeah. by the tackle that was being pushed back. So yeah, it, he- that play was more so blown up. Than it was had gone wrong. Yeah, had he made that cut and not slipped, we would have been talking Jalen Miller in the end zone and a lot more football being played. Yeah, which is yeah. the scary part. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I think there's some misconception about that play too because you see a lot of reaction videos from Bama fans who were like, "What is he doing? He ran into a wall." But if you slow that video down, you see that guy. He gets pushed right into him, and they just yeah. shut that play down. Well, we all saw that play from the side too, and that's why I was saying like it was a weird play call, you know. But I never really saw the over the top or anything like that. I didn't see those those angles, you know, and that totally changes the perspective of those plays when you get to see that angle. And, and the one that I saw was an overhead from behind. 
Oh yeah, so, you so can he can actually, actually see the see lane when that linebacker bit down yeah. toward the inside. Yeah, and he tried to make that cut. He had nothing yeah. but green grass in yeah. front of him and would have been gone. So like it was a phenomenal play call. Yeah, and Saban even talked about it. He's like. We went out there, had a great look on the first one, and they must have known it because they called a timeout. Right. We went right. back out. We didn't like the look we saw, so we called a timeout. And then the third look was the look. Went back to it, yep. Things happened. Like, yep. dude, it was a chess game. Back mm-hmm. and forth. This mm-hmm. is pure coaching. Yep. That's what this yep. game was, and it was so exciting to see. Yep. So I liked exciting. It. I liked it. I, I mean, feel I, I'm very excited for you guys. Like I don't have a dog in the fight right now. Uh, you know, proximity purposes here. I'm all in on Michigan. I want to see that happen. Well, you know, this does still kind of the semifinal was a little bit more for you being a yeah. Kansas State fan, having Texas in it. It was it was interesting seeing it, Texas. I say, how did it feel watching them? Then how did it feel kind of toward the end? I mean, first off, this might be the best college football playoff we've oh, had. Oh, 100%. Competes, Both games were incredible. This competes with the one in 2016. Yeah. As long as this championship game is not a blowout. Yeah. Which I don't think it will be. This might be the best one ever. Yeah. Because no, it was, how it was, do you get two semifinal games that come down to the last play in the game? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. That's yeah. exactly what you want. Two of the best games I think we've seen. Because, I mean, even even in the previous years, like, you know, they, they were they were good games, but not necessarily, like, come down to the last play games. Both of those games came down to the last play. It was phenomenal. It was so much fun to watch. I actually missed the end of the Washington-Texas game. I had to catch the the, the next part of it the next morning because, uh, like, we wake up and do our, our morning show, you know, like 5 o'clock in the morning. So, um, but, yeah, like, it was, it was kind of interesting to see Texas being back, as they like to say. Um, yes, they're Big 12 champions. Good for them. They're going to the SEC next year. They're going to go up against some big boys that they haven't seen in a while. They're going to get beat up a little more. But it was fun to see Texas back in the Big 12 and because I mean you want your conference to be competitive you want the teams that you're playing against to be competitive and for a number of years now Kansas State has kind of owned Texas but Texas really hasn't been Texas you know they're not that perennial team that you always see in the playoff implications they always get ranked real high because they're Texas and then they lose to like a Baylor or a Texas Tech Mm -hmm. or something stupid like that I mean they lost to KU this year but KU is really up in the Big 12 like they're talking high end bowl game potential next year. They're actually threatening top four for the Big 12 next year when it comes to football as well. KU is a great team. So, you know, I'm not losing anything with that loss to KU. But seeing Texas in that game, it was funny. I saw one of the best tweets I saw was like, Texas being in the college football playoff is a win-win situation for everybody. Because one, if they win, lots of money to the Big 12, and then they leave and go to the SEC. They don't get any of that. Two, they lose. We get to watch Texas lose in the college football playoff. Everybody wins. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. It was a win-win for us. But I mean, honestly, wholeheartedly both games incredible i'm so this is the first like college football playoff where uh, like championship game where i didn't have a team in the fight that i'm actually like genuinely really excited to watch and you know after watching the game i feel bad for bama fans oh yeah absolutely like bama is finally kind of in the position of everyone else in the country mm-hmm. they're just a really good football team they had to finally swallow that pill that they haven't had to take in a long time like you're just you're you're just like everybody else you were just a really good football yeah. team yeah. You yep. can lose two games, three games in a year. Arguably one of the best football teams in the country. I mean, it's why they and were like, in that position. Happened, but I say it 
happened with Bryce Young and everything, because mm-hmm. like they weren't in the playoff last year. Yep. But to have it happen two years in a row mm-hmm. and possibly happen again next year, I yeah. think they're kind of in that realization now, which it's great to not have Jacob here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're kind of in that realization now that like there's nothing that they can say. They're kind of just in the mix with everybody else mm-hmm. now, and they can get beat at any time. You're, like, you're also going to see them in an SEC next year that's going to have, you know, Georgia's not going anywhere. You're adding Oklahoma and Texas. You're adding, um, uh, who, who's coming in from the, the Pac-12 for them? Uh, SEC didn't add Pac-12. No. ACC added Pac-12. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. ACC, Big and Ten. Big Ten added Big Pac-12. Yeah, that's it. But like, you're seeing two more powerhouse teams coming into the SEC next year in Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, even if they're just like at the level they are where they're dominant in the Big 12, which I'll even say a Big 12 is definitely not to the level of, a, of an SEC. You know, as far as like conference, confidence top to bottom. Those are still two really good teams, man. I mean, Texas beat Alabama early in the season, so. And this is something I brought up to you, too, Meatball, was the fact that you know, Bama doesn't have anything else. All of their, <laughs> all their funds get pooled into college football, yeah. which is tough when now you're getting beat. Now, when Well, their Bama, softball team's pretty solid, actually, hey, now that I think about woo. it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. Like, I was really thinking, like, the That's basketball like, team has made some Final Four yeah. some Elite Eights. That's Not like, Final Fours yet, Elite Eights. That's like um, Nebraska calling themselves a volleyball school now. Like, I mean, they should. <laughs> they, they absolutely should. <laughs> there were more people in in that field in Lincoln for a volleyball game than there have been <laughs> for a football game in years. Exactly. They are a thousand percent a volleyball school. But I think other teams succeeding and seeing other teams make it, you know, to the national championship in the long run, I feel it's going to, even in the short picture, it's going to be tough for Bama because, again, Bama's a great school. You know, no, you know, not trying to throw shade at them by any means, but when you've got other teams succeeding, other programs getting better, mm-hmm. and you're starting to see Bama kind of dip down a little bit, you know, like, yes, Alabama, they can offer you great education, and but at the same time, man, you want to go and play football. You want to go for a national championship. You yep. want to go where the title is. There's no professional team in Alabama except the University of Alabama, and when your only, like, source of, of like, sports dominance is is down, which, you know, saying Alabama is down is is wild because they're not. They're just, you know, people are coming up to their level. And I think that's what I was talking about with the Big 12. You want to surround yourself with good teams because when you beat good teams, that makes you look better. And Alabama is always going to be one of those teams, even if they are losing even two to three games a year, they're still Alabama. They make the other teams around them look better. We've talked a lot about the teams that have lost already. We're done with those guys because their seasons are over. Washington looked like they have all year. Yep. All year. They looked really good offensively and so-so defensively. There is some good things that happen for them. Their pass rush is able to get to the quarterback from time to time and create tough throws or sack them. But in reality, they're going to have to step it up big time on the defensive end mm-hmm. if they're going to want to be able to win this game. Like, you got Blake Corum running straight at your face, man. That's And, and he's not going to bow down as no. we just saw no. on a what, like, to, I think it was 18-yard run yeah. uh, for a touchdown. That was the mm-hmm. t- one of the toughest 18-yard runs I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And, and you know, you're going to want to stop that with what has been Washington's defense, 97th overall. Mm-hmm. L- listening to a little Joel Klatt, that's, that's where I get <laughs> these statistics from, people. Just I'm going to let you know, 97th overall, and they're 54th in scoring. And yeah. I, 
I wouldn't, and not to make any comparisons by any means, but Blake Corum says main inspiration is Barry Sanders. Not to say he's on that level, but he was, that overtime touchdown was very Barry-esque. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that play. I'm like, keep those legs moving, just like Barry used to do. And he did it, man. He he's drove got, it into the into the end zone. He's got a very similar build to Barry, too, in that regard. So, yeah, that's I, now that you say that, I see a lot of Barry in him. Yeah, just like Barry, we're going to keep on moving after the break. We'll touch back talking the actual national championship game. What are keys to success for both teams? And, uh, you know, what are we expecting to happen in this game? We we got more Mid Madness coming to you on 95.3 WBCK. And we are back with Mid Madness. Time to talk a national championship game. We spent much of that last segment talking about the two teams who lost in the, the semifinal. Now it's time to talk to two teams who won. The Washington Huskies will be technically on the road Ooh. in this neutral game between oh, oh, oh. between our hometown, Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> I cannot. This game will be played at NRG Stadium. Mm-hmm. In Houston there, yep. In Houston. Right now, the line is set. Can you take a guess at where the line is on this game? The <sighs> ESPN line, I will say. I mean, Michigan's going to be favored, I think. Um, I would say eight and a half. I don't even know okay, if it's that much. I would say I would say Michigan, maybe three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. And a half. This game is set at an over-under coming in at 55 and a half on okay. the open. Yeah, that's good. When you're looking at the spread, Michigan is a four and a half point favorite. Okay. Three, gotcha. and, a half, three and a half on the open. Okay. And then they're 56 and a half uh, over-under in the total. And then money line is 200 yeah. in favor of Michigan, 170 for Washington. Washington. So this is still a very close game. Like that's, they're not. I mean, that's pretty on par. Expecting this to be yeah. any kind of blowout, but Michigan is favored to win. I think that I think that over under is a big indicator that they expect some you know some points to fly because you're going to have the two offenses going against each other. Washington has got Penix there as their quarterback, and he's got an arm like my God, oh my God! Some of those passes he was throwing were incredible, and he looks like he just flicks the ball like he doesn't. It, it's it's almost like he doesn't do a full arm motion. Uh-huh. He stop, just kind of goes stop, stop right where you are because I saw a video that said because a lot of people have that kind of philosophy on him. Yeah. And then they like, somebody did the switch flip thing and they reversed it and he did all of his throws right hand. Yeah. And you can see the motion. Like, No, he, I'm not he, saying it's not there, but it's like, it's so fast. Like you don't see the whole thing. Yeah. But like, they, it's they, wild. They didn't even slow it down. They did it full speed, but then you did like, and it made it look like he was throwing right hand and you yeah. can see the full motion. So like it's everything crazy. is there. He's just like different. I don't, he's, yeah, he's just built different, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like, I, you know, you, you put that passing ability with some really good receivers on that offense. You know, you're going to have some long passing plays, I think, that are going to break out against Michigan. It's just inevitable. Those are going to happen. And then you put the ground game in with Michigan as well against, you know, the other way. I think that over-under is pretty solid. I would actually take the over on the 55. The reason I'm pretty confident in a Michigan championship is a few reasons. You take a look at the game with Bama. You did see some excellent coverage in the backfield. Uh, It takes a lot of restraint to be able to cover someone very closely without causing pass interference. Yeah. they did, I, I mean, did they even get tagged for pass interference once in I that game? I don't think so. And there was, it was a very super, low penalty game, actually. Yeah, there was some super Five tight coverage. Five total penalties. Yeah. Five total penalties at Michigan-Alabama game. Jeez, I mean, just very tight coverage. And they're, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like Michigan's defensive line was just mean. Well, they just shut, shutting they, them down. They kept their entire offense to like 90 yards in the first half or something, yeah. right? Yeah, something crazy like that. And, and I love 
the stat, you know, the argument for the Florida State, it was like our third string quarterback put up 169 yards against Georgia, against the starters on Georgia. Like, we didn't belong there. But, like, man, I, I think that speak more to like that Michigan's. wasn't even their third stringer because Rotomaker didn't start that oh, game. That's right. He answered yeah. the transfer portal. That was so he was a like the practice fresh- squad. <laughs> it was a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. But yeah. that, but I think that actually speaks to Michigan's defense more than anything because I mean Alabama's line. Alabama's we've we, we talked to Alabama to death. But I think that speaks to that front that front line in the trenches there on the Michigan defense. That that's going to be everyone says the game's won in the trenches. You know, and and, and it's pretty accurate. But I think Washington is really going to have to look at that and go, okay, our run game is going to be pretty ineffective against this. So. So how do we counter against this? What do we do? You got anything else before I blow this game wide open? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that was another thing, too, is I feel like another advantage that Michigan has is one that they played Bama. They were the ones who mm-hmm. had to face that juggernaut of a name and a, an entity. And so you saw some jitters. And, and Bama saw them, too. They mm-hmm. couldn't snap the ball. Michigan couldn't catch a punt to save their lives. <laughs> um, but those jitters are through. They beat Bama, and now they're in the national championship, and now they know this is their game to lose. That's a that's a great point actually because like Washington versus Texas was okay we beat Texas move on this was we beat Bama like that's almost a bigger weight you know so I think Michigan walks into this a little little heftier like a little more proven coming into this for sure um so first off special teams needs to be the main focal of Michigan practice this week <laughs> yes Jay, yes Jay, how to catch a ball Jay Harbaugh <laughs> Jay Harbaugh you looking like you don't belong in the family right now get your coaching together buddy he's got to get that together also when to realize that the ball should just go into the end so don't touch it. <laughs> you know, like, but I think that part is going to be figured out. Yeah. I will tell you what's going to win this game. Okay. Michigan will win the game mm-hmm. because the front seven for Washington is not strong enough to stop the running game. So then Michigan will be able to open their whole playbook, go to the, the play action, go to the trick plays. That flea flicker would have been six in what that I, Bama game if it could have worked. Yep. All those things are going to be going. But that's not even the best part. The reason Michigan will win this game is their secondary. You yeah. never hear that a team wins a game solely because of the secondary. Mm-hmm. But that's the reason why Michigan will win this game. You 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 nailed it. Um, and, and it's like you said, not something that usually comes up. But when you're talking about a pass offense like Washington, that secondary is much more important. And secondary is not always a big focus in college football, unless you're in unless you're in a conference that does a lot of air raid stuff. Secondary is not that important typically, and that's a huge factor. That's abs- yeah. Pulling out my uh, Joel Klatt notes here. <laughs> All right, Michigan is built for this. Yep. Built for this. Yep. Yeah, Mike they- McDonald and Jesse Minter brought over the Ravens defense heard Jim Harbaugh who act, called John in the summer and asked him for help to bring over his defense. They've done that and now when you look, right, who was all of that done for? Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Ohio State had C.J. Stroud with Jackson Smith and Jigma, Emeka Obuka, Marvin Harrison and uh, who was the, and Chris Olave yeah. all on the same team. How is Michigan supposed to guard those four guys? Yeah. Unless you bring in a defense like the Ravens. And then you go over and you look at Washington. You have Romo Dunze. Mm-hmm. You have Jalen Polk and you also have Jalen McMillan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those those three, right? Michigan is set for this. Yeah. You look at their their defense, Josh Wallace, top cornerback in the country. Will Johnson is probably the best cornerback in the country. Well, we talked about it last week. I, Michigan is basically DBU at this point. Mike Saver still yeah. is one of the best edge corners in, in the country. And then you still have uh, Makari Page in the back in terms of, of safety help as well. You have Quentin Johnson who subs in and out of the uh, out of the game. Keon Saab was great last <laughs> week against Alabama. You still have Jaden McBurrows. It doesn't get better than what Michigan has in the secondary right now. And like we talked about last week, they are literally defensive back university. When you look at some of the best defensive backs in the the NFL right now, we're not talking just corners. We're talking safeties and and those uh, Sam uh, and Will linebackers on the Mm -hmm, outside mm -hmm. as well. Michigan is dominating 
those portions. And then you can still mix in the uh, Mozzie Smiths, the Taco Charlton's, the Devin Bushes. Yep. All those guys are still in there as well. Michigan is built off of having a good defense. They now finally have one that can compete with all kinds of styles of offense. There's no way they lose this game. It's going to be very tough. Like I said, it's going to be their game to lose because they know exactly what they need to do. Strengthen up on special teams. They know Washington's going to be super pass heavy. So you just got to have that same amount of restraint, you know, that you've shown against Bama not getting tagged. I mean, it's and they're, that's the pro, that's the problem that Washington's going to have is that they've got so many weapons on offense. Anytime mm. they like they were throwing slants in that game and they're like, see ya. Yeah. Catch it. And then uh, how many yards after the after the, you know, the pass was completed or yards after. The, I mean, just Corum is dangerous. Anytime they run those slants, man, it, you never know what's going to happen. That's that but, speaks to like, you know, the Big 12 approach to offense, too, where it's like I would say Big 12 kind of has a mostly ground game with some air raid sprinkled in, which means most Big 12 teams are going to have one, maybe two star receivers on their team, and they're going to have a good enough quarterback that can reach them. But their emphasis is always going to be running backs, tight ends. That's that's kind of where the Big 12 kind of focuses. When you mix in that West Coast offense like Washington's running right now with those big passes and so many weapons out there for him to throw to, like that's that's ultimately what Texas just couldn't stand up against. But coming back to that, talking about the defense for Michigan, how often do you hear somebody say they're going to win a game because of how balanced their defense is? That's There's no weak spot in that defense. None. Absolutely none. Well, I'll say this. There is. It depends on how Michigan wants to play this game. I am a huge fan of us just putting a spy on the cornerback and then going man coverage with safety help over top. Yeah. That's perfect. If they do the zone thing where they allow the short passes and Washington's going to catch on to that, they're going to get it to the outside, their playmakers are going to make plays, and they could become big ones. That's what I'm most concerned with is Michigan allowing the short passing game because that's what got them into trouble with not only Maryland but also Ohio State. But keep so, in mind, too, with with uh, both those games, there was no Harbaugh on the sideline. You know, their their guy, their, their, their main play caller, the dude who's watching over everything, was not on the sideline well, for those games. He doesn't do much on defense. But he's going to be the one who says, we need to make this adjustment right now. He's going to be the one that sees that in the game and says, yeah, but we need I, to make this ju- adjustment many, immediately. I just wonder how many defensive adjustments he makes. Like, he doesn't do too much on the defensive I, side. I feel like if he sees that continuously happen, like what happened with the Maryland game specifically. But that was like, no, but I'm saying that was the game plan. The game plan is literally give that up because right. we can corral to that and we can defend But then that. I feel like, too, as the head coach, like you're the one who says, all right, everyone else except me, here's the game plan going into this game. Go out there and execute it. If for some reason that game plan isn't working, the the assistants and everything, I'm not going to say they but don't the, have I the say, ability to do that's that. That's the weird thing is it worked. It, it did. I mean, it allowed more than they think they wanted. But I don't, I don't know if it'll work against no, it won't. Washington. No, it absolutely won't. And if they start to see that, that adjustment needs to be made immediately. Because I, the, the second you start allowing that, it's just going to be, it's going to be, uh, what is it, death by a million cuts or whatever it is. Yeah, that's just, yeah. And there's one added elixir that we haven't even touched on, which is going to give them the extra boost of inspiration, and that's the suspensions. Yeah, yeah. This has been absolute fuel to the fire, and they've they've conquered through the suspensions. They haven't lost a game, <laughs> and now they, they've got their coach back in the national championship. I mean, there's just so many weapons on their side that are just making them the most dangerous team in the country. And I think those suspensions probably unified that team more than anything. Easily. Like, like if the NCAA and, and whoever else was involved in, in executing those suspensions and stuff, if their whole goal was to like drive a wedge in between him and his team or whatever, they, they accomplished the exact opposite. <laughs> All they did was sure up that team even more to the point that they're going to play great without him. They're going to play with godlike purpose when he's on the sideline with them. At this point, he is their deity. <laughs> I would I would put a I, I would put a loss in this game as one of the most epic failures in sports history because Oof. you've got the 
Maryland game, especially if you watch that Maryland game and you see that crowd and how much trash they were talking mm-hmm. and how everybody was just like, lose this game so we can bury you. Just absolutely bury you. And they came out on top and then found their way into the national championship playoff and found a way to beat Bama. Mm-hmm. It's just too, there's so much fuel been thrown onto the fire that you can't lose this game. Yep. You just cannot. Michigan's got to put Washington on their heels both on offense and defense right away. And if they can do that in the first quarter, I think it's game over yeah. immediately. I don't know how you feel about this, DJ, but I also feel like you really need this national championship because we don't know if Harbaugh is coming back next year. It's going to the Chargers. Nah, Harbaugh's coming back. That, and that right there is the end of this conversation. <laughs> we might be able to touch on that later, but we are running out of time. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Pistons and probably a little Michigan, Michigan State college basketball because uh, they have not looked good. And uh, yeah, some more Mid Madness coming your way on 95.3 WBCK. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines, and Spartans alike. This is your sports show, Mitten Madness, with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. Madness. Yes, you're listening to me doing the intros again because Jacob is still out on vacation. He will be back next week, though. I have that information for sure right out of his mouth, not mine. So don't worry. Things will be back to normal very soon. We have Meatball. We have Mark in here Howdy. from The Rocker. Yeah. It's time to talk our beloved question mark. <laughs> Detroit Pistons. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna include love in any capacity, I think it's gonna be love hate, and that you hate that you love them. And, and right heartbroken. Now. And heartbreak. Yeah, absolute heartbreak. <laughs> I think I, honestly, I think you're just used to it. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, staying with that ex because things are just normal. Like it just works, so you're just with that person because things are normal. Contractually, get out of. <laughs> I'd be more like it with the Pistons right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is that is the definition of being a Pistons fan right but, now. But the good thing is, since that last show, they've won a game. Yes, and they've also lost two more. What, they they won a game, though. Yes. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't want to skip over that. We're going to get back to okay, that. Okay, 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 okay. But they've already lost again <laughs> twice. Like, what, what kind of season are we going through? I think you know what kind of season you're going to be in. The entire, we, we were talking about this on our show the other day. The entire calendar year of 2023, that's January 1st to December 30th. 31st, 2023. The Pistons won 10 games. The, across, they went 10 and uh, 70 something. I think it was 82 games in a, in a year, right? So they went 10 and 72 the entire year spanning two seasons. The Lions well, no, won that, more not, games not, last not year. Quite exactly like that because of the numbering and games. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not exactly 41. Right, but, from, they, but they only won 10 games in the entire calendar year of 2023. Yes, that part is true. The Lions have won more games in this season. <laughs> Michigan football has won more games in 2023. I even think Michigan basketball has one more game. Probably. Oh, by a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they weren't very good last year. No, no. Even with Hunter Dickinson. I mean, we saw, and you know, you saw the crowd before they got that epic <laughs> victory uh, chanting, sell the team. Yeah. And we heard from the owner of the Detroit Pistons and he, he had a lot to say about that. And he was like, you don't understand what we do for the community outside of playing basketball. We, we give so much back to the community. I'm like, bro, those are beer sales. You know, like with or without you, that's beer sale money that you give back. I know, you know? this man didn't just try 
car and pull that car. <laughs> he did. He did. It was nonsense. I was like, give me a break, bro. That's not even you. That's that's the that's the Miller Lights or whatever that you got selling at the uh, Joe Louis Arena. I just, I'm that's, still. That's all of those $13 hot and readies <laughs> yeah. that you're selling at the stadium. For real. Now, be fair, bro. Those those are $13 a slice. Am I Because uh, I thought those pizzas were like 30 bucks. I haven't been to Little Caesars yet, so I'm I mean, not sure. I, I haven't been in there in a minute. I, and when uh, I do I mean, go, I get the cheese bread because it's like $6 ooh, for eight pieces. Like, that I'm going to be a smart bread. guy here. Yeah. I'm not going to spend a bunch of money on a piece of pizza. Little, uh, little when, I, when I can go, hey. I can walk out the stadium and go right down the road and get a full one for six sixty six. <laughs> I'm going to totally wrap myself out here, but this this year, and I think I told you guys about this, I snuck in hot dogs to Comerica with sautéed in peppers in a, in a plastic bag. So just sizzle up some pepperoni and throw it in a Ziploc and then go in. You're killing it. And it's not like... Here's <laughs> just a little sauce, a little Ziploc bag of sauce. And here's the thing, too. Like, lunchable. Yeah, yeah. And there's not a lot of people at those games, so like, you know security's not going to be like overly, they're not going to be like over the top, you know? They're going to be like, yeah, just go in. And it's hilarious because they, they look... Like, like, you bring some for me? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can probably bribe them <laughs> with the food when you walk in. It's ridiculous because like a woman will walk up with like a purse the size of her hand and they'll be like, sorry, you can't come in there with that. Here I am with my cargo pants. I'm like, yeah, you're fine, go in. <laughs> you're, not, you're definitely not hiding six hot dogs in your pants right now. Oh yeah, I am. <laughs> Beat the system, baby. Should, should, I try, should I try something when I go to the Pistons game totally. on, on the 28th? Let us know. I got to figure out what I'm going to try. Dude, they, you know, they don't have hot dog scanners on you. I, <laughs> it's I just going to look. Not hot, I need to find, should I like, maybe I'm going to go to like Wendy's and get like some Baconators and just like Dude, put them on the inside of my coat you. or something. They don't scan you for Baconators. <laughs> they don't even touch you. No. Just be careful. Like, because well, Wendy foil, said, I was just going to say that. Should I, go, should I go to Burger King? Though? I would pick somebody who uses the paper, but also it can't be like, crum- it can't be the crumply stuff that makes noise. Yeah. You know, it's got to be. I'll go to like. But again, Ziploc bags, man. That's I'll go to like checkers or rallies. There you go. Yeah. That paper's, that paper's pretty, it's more papery. It doesn't, it doesn't crinkle the noise. Yeah. Slapper. Yeah. 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 Just like, you're going to walk up and like have those things in your pockets for a while. And they're going to just be like, what's that grease stain at the bottom of your, like, don't worry about it, man. Hey. Me. Lunch was a little tough for me. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, hopefully they play Utah again. They yeah. seem to be play Utah close. They I play mean, Utah very well. They play Brooklyn pretty close. Uh, obviously, Toronto's someone they can beat. Yeah. Um, you obviously want to see them play kind of the Washingtons again. Yeah. The, the Hornets, like these lower-end team Portland Trailblazers to try and get a couple wins yeah, throughout we, the we, year. We kind of touched on that last week. It was just like, you know, there, it's not that there's not good talent on that team. There is good young talent on that team. There's just nobody really to foster it and grow it yet. Like, I think there's a, I think there's a coaching change that needs to be made there. But as far as like, you know, looking down the rest of the schedule and thinking we might set another streak potential here, like another losing streak, like I really think if you can get a handful of wins, like if you can string, not necessarily a bunch in a row, but at least like go, go, you know, three for four in a week or something to that effect, you know, at least come out of a week with an over 500 average for for that particular period of time. That's a confidence booster. And confidence is huge when it comes to the NBA because like when teams are down, they are down. They just like, you can see it on them. They're not smiling. They're not having fun. And basketball is a game where if you're not having fun, you're not winning. There's no way you're winning those games. Two teams that are close to already surpassing that 10 number from 2023 are the Michigan Wolverines and the Michigan State Spartans, but they're both having very tough and uncharacteristic like years yeah. for them over on the hardwood in the college game. Michigan State currently at 9-5, and 1-2 and two in the Big Ten, but they are on a five-game win streak. Okay, so let's turn things it around. Are, things are looking on the up and up from them. On the opposite side, Michigan 6-8, and eight, dropping last night uh, to Minnesota, mm-hmm. 73-71 after a, a late shot by uh, Doug McDaniel, that was no good. Dropping them to uh, six and eight, one and two in the conference, and a three-game losing streak. I mean, I feel like the entire state effort is being put in towards you know Wolverine football right now. Everyone's focused and distracted by that. That's fine. You know? yeah. I think, and, and that's that's totally fine. I think once you get past Monday, they were like, okay, all right, that's over with, that's done, and we got it. Gonna go to the lines. Let's let's go. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. All right, now everyone focus on the lines until February, and then we're just gonna miss out on March this year. That's <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. The, red, the Red Wings are worth the time. 
<laughs> that's fair. The that's Red Wings fair. are worth the time. Yeah. So, so if you were to NBA jam the Pistons right now, who would you, <laughs> who would you, who would you put as their top two players? Uh, for like, like NBA jam style? Yes. Or just like top two players in general? Yes. But like, cause there's normally like a rotation of four. Top two, I would say your top two. There's, there's normally a rotation say, of yeah, four. Yeah. Like I would say two of your most like, so, two so, of the most biggest raw talent I mean, guys. This, this is easy for me. Yeah. Personally. Cause like, uh, I'm going to pull up their roster real yeah. quick. Cause obviously but, I would, I would imagine you would have to put Cade Cunningham. Yes. Cade and Jalen Ivey, automatically the two guards I'm picking. Mm. No question. So Those are the two guards. Considering the Detroit Pistons are clearly going to have the first pick next year, one can assume. <laughs> well, you don't know that. They do that weird little lottery Stupid thing. Lottery. The, the, oh, uh, Azur Thompson and, and Jalen Durant. Those so, are the four. I was going to say, with, with the hopes that the Pistons will have the first pick, where are you as a Detroit Pistons fan now? Would you do a fire sale to get some insane picks? Nah. Do you see anybody? Do you see anybody coming up into the NBA this year that you would think it would be worth to do that? Nah, you got to fire uh, yeah. uh, Monty Williams. I think it's a coaching a issue. Coaching staff. Yeah. Because you, you I, just have to develop these players. These yeah. players have raw talent. We've seen it. Right. You just have to develop them and, and get the right five guys together on the floor consistently. Yeah. I'll use, and the Pistons will be just fine. I'll use my team as an example, and that's the, the game you're going to go see is the Thunder uh, when they play there in a couple of weeks, I think. Yep. Last year, the Thunder won 22 games the entire season. This year, they've already won 22 games. Nobody's changed. The only thing they did was add Chet Holmgren in after his injury last year, after uh, like LeBron stepped on his ankle preseason or whatever. All they did was add Chet Holmgren into that mix. And in addition to that, the Thunder started showing some improvement at the end of the season. A lot of that has to go toward the coaching staff. It has to go toward that enrichment and getting to know your players on the team and creating a dynamic within the group and teaching each other how to play to their game, to their strengths, and, and growing them as players and, and teammates. That's not happening in Detroit. They're just individual people who are on a court at the same time trying to figure out how to you know play a good pickup game. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And and I, I, I'm with Dejan on this. I think coaching is the issue with the Pistons right now. If you're doing any kind of fire sale, coaching staff. Out. Try something new coaching. Because there's chemistry there, but you got to know how to fit those players with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's chemistry either way you go. You know, they, it doesn't have to be, you know, a championship caliber team, but you got to have the right coach to know how to get that out of your players. Um, and, and again, I've, I've heard people say, oh, fire sale, just sell out, you know, just no. sell out. And I'm thinking, well, the, you got to think about that, though, because if you don't see any phenomenal talent coming out of college, going into the NBA the next year, then what does that serve? You're rolling the dice and you're getting rid of your best players. If you're going to a Pistons game, you're thinking they're going to lose. But from what I've seen, from the games that I've seen, there's still exciting moments, you know? And that to me, that to, I know, uh, that to me at least implies that like there's some, there's some good stuff there within that team. Like there's some, there's some great raw talent there. And there are exciting moments within those games. I mean, you're not going to win. But I was going to say, if, you, if you're going to a Pistons game, can you let me know which car wash you got your free vouchers from? Like, bro, you are hilarious. <laughs> and that obviously means we've had enough basketball talk for the day. Michigan is not doing well in basketball around the state right now. We'll touch back in in a few weeks, hopefully when all the football mojo is gone. But you guys know what's coming up. It's the best part of the show. We're getting into that pick segment. Be here or hear about it. More Mid Madness coming your way. 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. and Dejan Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitt Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitt Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.